All right, we are back. Episode three. Numero three. Of the Barbell Bacon Bros. Oh, you thought I was going to say in Spanish, huh? <laughs> Barbell Bacon Bros. This episode, episode three, Pizza and Power Clean. Come on. You have amazing crazy whatever you want like insane story of how you ended up where you are today yeah big time uh yeah so why don't you like start us off with like how did you end up here so my mom and dad met uh not that you're gonna go that far back. yeah not that far back maybe not that far back (laughs) maybe maybe just like like three or four years because we kind of introed in episode one right you talked about being at the gym, you know, meeting Alina, starting CrossFit in 2015, and then we talked about the incident. The incident. Right. Today, we're going to remove the parentheses and let everybody know what the incident is. Yeah. I don't know if they're ready. Oh, well. I think they If they ain't ready, they'll never be ready. They're not ready now. They'll never be ready. I mean, you might as well just go for it. Right? I might as well just go yeah. for it. All right. So, the incident was uh, I contracted a crazy rare uh disease um it's called acute transverse myelitis um and all that really means is that um my nervous system kind of attacked itself Mm -hmm. and my spine within the spine it there was some inflammation that knocked out my whole nervous system from the t5 spine down and where is like the, uh, the T5, T5 right? is right, right where uh, your the middle of your chest and your stomach, kind of okay. your abs, so abdomen where they meet. High up your midsection. Yes, yeah. Um, so that is a disease I I contracted that I live with um, as far as I know for the rest of my life. So the way it happened was in uh, January of 2019, the end of January 2019. It was, it was the day started just like a normal day, you know. Um, I used to still train prior to CrossFit, and it was, like I mentioned in the previous episode, so it was like bro lifting. Right. Um, so I woke up early in the morning, went to go train, came home, you know, helped get, you know, my three kids at the time, I only had three, now I have four, uh, where they need to get to, and I went to work. Uh, my day went as normal, routine, went to lunch, came back, and... Uh, I remember that I was on the phone with my with my boss at the time, just talking about you know logistics and whatnot. And I get off the phone. It was 3 p.m. and I had some excruciating back pain, and it was in the T5. So it was uh, sure I didn't know that then, but now that I know, retrospect, that's where it was. The pain was like a, the first the first thing that I felt was. You know where you can kind of sometimes feel like a mosquito, like land on you, something subtle. Right. It's small enough where it's not irritating, but just enough pressure that you notice it. So the first thing that I felt was something like that on my um, on my spine, on my back. And I reached out to like touch it, and that was kind of it. And then matter of seconds, my all my back muscles started to lock up. Um, and then an excruciating back pain started started happening. So think of like a Charlie horse except on your back and your whole back was locked up Dang. uh i panicked i called my wife told her what was going on and like a good wife she is just like why are you calling me call <laughs> the ambulance i was like yes ma'am so uh i get on the phone and i call the ambulance like i i i the pain was so unbearable like it brought me to my knees um i'm never one that something hurts like panic and call 
911 or the ambulance, but this this was definitely very different. I knew that I was in danger at that moment. Um, I almost fainted. I was sweating. I was ready to pass out Dang. just from the pain. Um, luckily, the uh, ambulance maybe three minutes it took them to get to get uh, to me. Um, they they took me to Kaiser Roseville Hospital, which is about 15 minutes, um, and those 15 minutes felt eternal, like really really bad. And they admitted me, and I was just in the outside waiting for a room. But honestly, like um, by the time that I got to to the hospital, the pain like stopped. I know they were working on getting with me meds, and my hospital stay is a little blurry the first part because I was just in and out consciousness. Yeah. Uh, my wife definitely knows more of that story, and you know uh, we plan to get her on the show to tell her part. Uh, but yeah, I, I ended up being in the hospital, and they literally did not take it seriously, especially because, like I mentioned, uh, the pain started going away. So even I thought I was like, "All right, that's cool." And it just came out of nowhere. Like you didn't have any kind of like lead up to it. It just bam, instant. Yeah, yeah. There was there was no rhyme or reason to tell you the truth. It just it just happened. Um, it just came and went literally like a bug that lands on you it comes and it goes that's kind of how it went um so anywho so my my pain was going away i was starting to feel you know better and at that time they had me on a wheelchair and they were ready to uh, let me let me out and you know go home and my wife was there at the time she was able to, to you know to rush there really quick and she noticed that my foot was dragging i didn't and she told me she was like hey uh pick up your foot or else you're going to uh, like run it over or something. And I was like, I can't, like I can't move my foot. Wow. Um, so that definitely was alarming, and my wife was a huge advocate for me, like huge. I obviously didn't know what was going on, so she just stops the doctor and she's like, No, he's not leaving. Like he can't, he can't uh, move his leg, and he can't. This is not normal. She's like, Oh, it's probably like fatigue or something. So they were literally trying to dismiss me. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to medical professionals who are listening to, but they just honestly weren't really, they didn't think much of it. And my wife is just like, you don't get it. Like, my husband doesn't complain. He doesn't whine. He is extremely fit and extremely active. If, his, if he can't move his foot, that's something serious. Um, so they finally, like, like fine, all right, we'll, we'll check him again. And by the time I was checked again, I was losing, like, mobility. Um, didn't know why, didn't really panic. I was just like, okay, uh, you know, it, it might be this weird, just muscular action. And that's what they were telling. They were saying, it's like, oh, your muscles just must, might be in shock. And that's what yeah. it is. Like I was still able to feel things at the time. It was just, my muscles weren't working. So, um, they laid me down and I was still, it was still not in a room. Um, but fast forward about three hours later like my wife had to go pick up my kids and we were both like hey you know worst case scenario pick you up tomorrow morning my best friend uh ended up coming and all the way from woodland like he's the i'll be right there um and ended up staying with me for the duration of that time and just for this story can go really long but just for sake of time (laughs) uh within eight hours i was completely paralyzed wow yeah so by the end of the night i lost all uh sensation all mobility, all strength, um, temperature, everything. It was completely gone from the T5 spine, all in a matter of hours. And by that night, they've already ran. It's like 11 at night. Um, 
they've already run like a bunch of CAT scans, uh, blood work. The doctors now were panicking, like they could not figure out what it was. And then they ended up doing a, a spinal tap. So what a spinal tap Ooh, is, wow. is they take a big old huge needle um, about the size of like an epidural needle and right into your spine. Here's the crazy part. I didn't feel a thing. Wow. I didn't feel um, any of it whatsoever. And it was right then and there where I was just like, there's something wrong. Like, the whole time I was cool, calm, and collected, I was like, all right, God, like, we got this. It's like, no big deal. My boy and I were just kind of enjoying our time and laughing it off and hanging out. And it was right then and there when that spot, when that, when I told them, I was like, okay, let me know when it's in. And the doctor goes, it's already in. So you didn't feel that? They're like, no. Like even with anesthesia, you can still feel like he was like, you didn't feel the irritation, you didn't feel the pressure, you didn't feel any of it. I was like, no. Wow. Yeah. So that Friday started off like a normal day, and then ended up with me paralyzed. Dang. Yeah. So where'd you go from that point with the doctors still not knowing what's yeah. going on? Like, how did they figure out? transverse myelitis is what you had yeah it definitely took him a while to get there um i was admitted in kaiser roseville for i think six i was yeah i was there friday and admitted i mean and discharged the next saturday into physical therapy so about you know eight days eight nine days that's a long time yeah that's a very long time yeah um the first three days was nothing but tests and them just Every doctor just like, we don't understand, we don't understand. Neurologists, um, all you can think of. Um, and a lot of them just also saying, it's like, we do not understand what's going on. It's like, your blood work is like, you're as healthy as we would want any human being to be. Like, you, your calcium is perfect, like, cholesterol levels, like, all your levels are perfect. We have no idea what's going on because you have great muscle tone, your muscles, like, you, everything works. Like, we do not know what's going on. It's like, we can't find a single thing. You know, so they just had to go with the symptoms, like based off the symptoms. And the first thing that they thought by, I would say day three, like I mentioned, uh, don't quote me on the first hospital stay. My wife knows more about that. Yeah. So if her we'll side of the story the, sounds a little different, she's we'll, right. We'll get the actual details. When yeah. We talk to uh, but by day three, they thought it was GBS, which is Jerome Bar- uh, Barre syndrome. Um, and when we told my wife's best friend who's in the medical world she's like do not google it by the love of god do not google it it's not good like it's not good and even my doctor is just like if you have this it's like it's not a good not a good look for you i was like all right (laughs) um during that time if i'm being like honest too uh, i'm i'm a man of faith and i i was composed you know uh, I've been through enough trials as a growing up in my life that I knew God's always with me. So I was cool, calm, and collective in a sense of, I found a sense of peace knowing that if man doesn't know what's going on, my God does. So I had that with me. And then with the love and support of just family, with church and community, it was just, um, it, it definitely fed for me to be positive, like be positive in regards to it. And I was just like, no, we're, I'm not going to have GBS. We ended up Googling it. And my wife, you know, literally wanted to, like, cry. Uh, she did an amazing job staying strong for me. And this was pre-COVID, right? Yeah, so this is literally pre-COVID. People could come in and visit you. So, you, yeah. like you said, the church community and your friends and your family, like, you had that kind of support. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. even while you were in the hospital. Oh yeah, it was huge. I couldn't imagine like doing it now. Like I could not. Um, it's just community is huge. It's massive. Um, and then for me, I've never really in my life have had a huge community like band together for me or gather for me. Um, growing up the oldest and I had siblings, but I always had to like watch over them and then huge age gap. And, um, I never was really, I was the one part of the community, but never really received much of it. So that was like the first time I was like, wow, this, this is like awesome. So it was definitely something very inspiring and motivating. It's like, well, if I have, you know, people all over the world praying for me, I had, you know, family members in Ukraine praying for me in Mexico, like it's El Salvador, like all this, like my wife will get messages i you know my auntie's a believer up in ecuador she's praying hey my friend is like it was it was just amazing of just having all that um i digress i go back to the story yeah so <laughs> um, six days yeah so three days gbs right that's yes. what they think okay. it is um so they put me into these this uh like almost uh antibody so it's this man i forgot what it's called but they injected me uh, every day for about I believe it was five days and this this dose of um, the name eludes me but it's just a bunch of combination of antibodies and, tes- and testosterone and steroid okay. to try to snap my nervous system to respond wow. and this has to be precise that it cannot be uh, done electronically so you can't just press buttons it literally has to have someone sit next to me the whole hour while they're administering to me check my have their hand on my on my arm checking my pulse and making sure and see how i respond because too much will knock me out put me in a coma or whatever i forgot what they told me the the implications were but it was some serious things um those four days four or five days were the most blurry because i had uh, literally 72 hour migraine i just don't remember anything and my wife just said like that was the scariest moment from her because i i just was not cognitive at all i was just in a lot of discomfort and a lot of pain um, for the migraine. You just couldn't sleep, couldn't move. Um, so it was definitely very difficult. Um, uh, I'm very grateful that my neurologist just was not content with the the condition. That's like GBS. Just like that's the closest thing to it, but we don't know. Like I, I don't know. I'm just want to do more more uh, examination. So they took me again to do another uh, X-ray and more CAT scans. And they had to pinpoint a very, like, lo- located spot in my spine. They're like, I, I have a hunch of what it is. I don't want to say it because it's super rare and, like, you, you, it's impossible for you to get it almost. So after I came out of that uh, exam and they got the results, they're like, so it's better than GBS in the sense of just level of, uh, like, need that you will be on medications and stuff like that. But it's worse because it's incurable and we know nothing about it. And they told me it's like it's transverse transverse myelitis. And we're like, okay, that means nothing. So then that's when they explained inflammation in the spine, knocked out the nervous system. And then they started giving me the numbers. They're like, okay, so as far as we know in all the research, like 3% of the population get it. Like, and they usually get it. The entire world. Oh, the entire world. 3% of the world. Super rare. Super rare. And it's usually the way it's contracted. It's like either a car accident because you hit your spine or wherever you, you know, ended up hitting. It's a reaction to a vaccine or, you know, or traveling out in the Amazon somewhere and you contract it that way. All three did not apply to me. 
So it's just like, okay, so you're 3% of the world that gets it. And then within that 3%, you're the 1% that's got it with no cause. Like, there's no rhyme and reason. Um, and there is a 80% chance that you may recover. But definitely fitness, athleticism, that's out the window. Like, and there's a 20% chance that can recover just walking. And maybe a light like, stroll um, from all the research. I was like, okay, so... I have a 20% chance of exceeding more than just walking, (laughs) like going for a jog. And I remember I looked at my wife, I can see a look in her face, and I was just like, all right, well, I'm going to be better. I was like, I don't got time to lay around. I don't got time to be in a wheelchair. Like, let's go. What do we have to do? So they're like, all right, the first thing we need to do for this thing is put you into intensive, like, physical therapy. Um... And they figured that out on Thursday, and they were able to admit me in this, like, super packed, like, it's hard to find a room. Like, God's, like, hand was in everything, even in the worst parts, um, was that they were able to find a room for me on Saturday um, on my own. And usually I have to share it. You would have to share a room or something um, at the Kaiser Recovery Center in Vallejo. So that Saturday, I got sent over to... Kaiser Vallejo to now conquer this seem what seemed to be impossible task of walking again. That's a long trip too. I mean, like yeah, Roseville to Vallejo. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like a ninety minute. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It was definitely tough. And then it was definitely, and it's also not a was a hospital environment where you can come and go. It was scheduled like scheduled times, and I think two people max, two at a time. Um, just because there's just uh, there's a lot going on there. It's, people are in there for crazy things. So that place is specifically for people with uh, uh, spinal and uh, crane, uh, cranial, yeah, cranial injuries and stuff like that. So off you go to this re- rehabilitative area yeah. in Vallejo. Um, still can't walk, right? Mm-mm. So no, I couldn't even like move a, a, a butt cheek. Wow. Like nothing so all, all gone all mobility all of it so what was your time in Vallejo like then as you start this physical therapy and this training to kind of try to get back to some form of normal life yeah uh, so I arrived Saturday um, and Saturday was my darkest day like definitely my darkest day um, I remember they riding down the ambulance truck and then you ride backwards and you can see cars and I just see my wife, like my wife driving and just trying to keep up and whatever. We get admitted to the hospital. I'm cool. And then we start walking the halls and you just start seeing all the people that are in there. Um, And you can just feel that that environment had no, it's not that it was dead, but it just had no hope. Kind of like an oppressive. Yeah. It's just very quiet. Everyone just seemed very tense, very stressed. Um, and I went from my hospital bed was always very positive to the point that our, our nurses were like, man, there's something about your room. Like we come into your room and even though there's life. Um, so it was very a different change. Um, and then I knew that I had no one at my beck and call. Um, Versus in Roseville, my mother-in-law lived 10 minutes away. My sister-in-law lives 10 minutes away. Friends can be, anybody can be within me within 15 minutes. Now we're looking at 90 minutes, an hour, you know? 
So my wife and I get in there and they roll me into my room and I looked at her and I broke down and I cried. And I was like, I'm scared. It's like uh, all the emotions came in. It's just so much happened in the hospital. I didn't really have time to process. So that was the most slowest time of just the whole hospital experience of me being admitted. And uh, finally all the emotions got to me and I just broke down. And my wife and I were just crying for a solid 30 minutes. Like no words, really just holding each other and just crying. And understanding the undertaking that I had. Um, and I literally had to make a decision right there. And, and I told myself, I was like, okay, I'm, this is the last time I'm going to allow myself to cry about this. And like break down in the sense of like feeling completely helpless. I was like, because after this, this moment on, I, I have a goal to accomplish and I, I need to stay focused on it. So I chose right then and there of just of saying, it's like, no, I'm not going to be a victim. Uh, I'm going to come out at the end of it. I don't know what it's going to look like. And I was like, but I have everything I need. I have my God. I have my will and I have my family. I'm like, what else do I need? You know? Um, so that Saturday, my wife, it was just me and my wife all day. And it was the most quietest, just very sad day. We were just both sad. Um, and it was all right. We had every right to be. So it was a very depressing Saturday. I went to sleep, you know, we, before she left, like, like she left and I was just crying in my room. Like, I've never felt so alone before. And I was just like, man, I have beautiful kids at home, my wife, and I could only imagine her drive home and that just broke me. And I was just like, she's going to go home every day in bed and be the best version of herself for our kids, knowing that I'm here fighting for my life. Like... And that you may never come back and be the same person that you were before. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I went to sleep on Saturday. and But Sunday morning, you know, a new day. Um, new grace for a new day. And I was like, okay. I, I'm ready to fight. So uh, that... The games, cake. Any CrossFit event we've ever done, cake. That was, the stay in Kaiser was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. The most hardest thing. Because at least you, when you're competing, you have people cheering you on. And there's people that gotten on the other side. And there's results and things that you can see. And But here, everything was like unknown. And we're like, we want to cheer you, but we don't want to encourage you. It's like, we don't want to set you up for failure. So I... It was just like this is was hard and one like i had to retrain my body how to do things so uh, i remember uh sunday i had to meet with the lead therapist i had to lead with meet with a counselor as well um to check my mental state and uh i remember talking to a counselor and just she's just trying to talk me into my emotions and i told her i was just like that was yesterday i'm like i don't want to talk about it oh you can't oppress it and stuff like that and i'm like no i'm not oppressing anything i'm like I know what I'm facing. Like, I know how scary this is. Like, I know what's going on. Like, me and my wife took care of that. I prayed about it. I'm good. You know, and my counselor might have been the only one that saw it first. At the end of the day, I ended up proving everybody wrong. Uh, <laughs> praise God. But my counselor, at the end of the day, he's, she's just like, you do got this. She's like, I have a very strong feeling you would not be needing me. And I told her, I was like, no offense, I don't. I was like, I don't. And I'm like... So, so that was with her, and then I met with the head therapist, 
and he was just like all right so here um we, we you know our first meeting is going to be setting up goals expectations let me see what you can and can't do by that time i can only move my toes um so my body was re, re, uh, recovering in a sense because the testosterone and everything that they pumped in me ended up working so that's a good thing about the little treatment that they did. like even if i didn't have gbs it was still a benefit for me to come back um and <laughs> He's uh, saying, it's like, all right, what's a, what do you have a goal? What's on your goals? And I said, uh, walking. A year from now, to, I'm like, Friday. Whoa. I was just like, I'm walking Friday. My goal is to walk out of here. And he looks at me, and he's just like, I appreciate the uh, enthusiasm, and that's awesome, but let's be something more realistic. And I'm like, no, I'm not selling for anything else. I mean, you can come up with your own goals for me, but I'm walking on Friday. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't care what you tell me or what you think you're going to guide me through and help me reach. I'm like, but my goal is to walk. I'm walking on Friday. And it's just like, okay, you know, you're a little aggravated. I'm like, I'm not aggravated. I'm just telling you I'm not having it. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to walk. Like, that's my goal. I'm like, Friday, I'm going to take my first steps, and then I'm going to walk out of here. And he goes, okay, well, I'll come back later, and we'll try to do this exercise again. Oh, I was great. like, all right, sounds good. And then after that, the occupational therapist came. Where it's like, you know, teaching you worst case scenarios, how to do everything. And same thing with her. Um, uh, and she's like, all right, we're going to have some goals. Uh, we got to come up with some goals of what you're going to, what life's going to be like when you go home in a wheelchair. I was like, I ain't going home in a wheelchair. He was like, well, that's what I'm like. We can work towards it. Like, like I told the other guy, cool, but I'm not going home in a wheelchair. Like, I'm walking next Friday. And she's just like, um, we need to come up with more realistic goals. And I said the same thing to her. I was like, you can come up with your own goals. I mean, no disrespect. I was just like, but I have everything I, know I need. And I'm like, I just want to get to work. Um, so on Sunday, we didn't get to do anything. So I was just laying there, just anxious for the next morning. And Monday is when I started like the real therapy stuff. Learning how to do the little things like move your toes and things yeah. like that. Is that where it started? Or did, I mean... What was that first little bit like? Yeah, so the first thing was I had to, uh, something that everybody does naturally, um, I still can't do it naturally, even to this day, is I had to tell my toes what I wanted them to do. I had to. So there was a lot of just mental external exercises of I'm going to move my toe, I'm going to move my toe, and just staring at the toe has just been like, so that was just like frustrated i've never been more frustrated in my life the most hardest thing is just like okay you just got to keep repeating it keep repeating yourself so you go like hours just like repeating like all right i'm going to move my quad and nothing happens i'm going to move my hamstring and nothing happens and stuff like that um so that's to where it started that's the level that started um and the once i was able to actually move my toes they're like, okay, we need to first kind of like build your mental toughness. That if this broke you, then they could kind of figure out what was going on. So like halfway, halfway there, I was just like, I can get my feet to, to twitch, you know. And then they were able to see my persistence. And I'm like, no, I, let's, I got to do more. They're like, ah, oh, we're going to take a break. And I was just like, okay. So uh, I was exhausted, man. Just trying to move my toes, I would go to sleep. It would knock me out. My wife was there all the time. Uh, she tried to be there like every day. I had you know other close um, relatives, like family friends, also there, and they got to see like I literally felt like a newborn. I'll work, 
and it wiped me. I was more exhausted than any workout I've ever done. Like, and I would just go to sleep. And was it like a, a physical exhaustion? Like you had been like pushing your body? Was it like a mental both. exhaustion? It was both, yeah. Uh, it was more mentally. I was just mentally exhausted every day. Um, so the, the real cool proving people wrong miracle stuff like like don't get me wrong my stay at 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 Vallejo was the hardest but it was actually the most beautiful too because uh I cleaned on to my faith like never before like never in my life I've cleaned on to my faith um and I had to be my biggest advocate and my biggest cheerleader when my wife wasn't around or because they the therapists were taught and trained to not give me false hope so something good will happen. There's like, cool, that's awesome. Now it might not happen. You might not be able to do it again. So there was a lot of that. Which has got to so, be like a tough environment to be in, right? Like, yeah. They're they're in. Uh, I mean, they're almost like pushing you to not. Yeah. Push. It's a weird. It's a weird relationship, and that's kind of the environment that you sense. That's like they're there to help, but at the same time, they're like, we don't want to set anybody up for failure, so we don't supply hope. We encourage, but, you know, like, oh, you did a great job. Now, it's okay if you can't do it again. Like, don't worry about it. You're not. So, and me, I'm like, I was, like, super stubborn. I was like, no, let's go again. Let's do it again. So, so I remember the first one was they were trying to get me to activate my quads and after hamstring. And they did some, like, really cool, like, fascinating just, like, techniques to try to get muscles to appear. And uh, from my very first... Uh, lesson or um, class that they would therapy class um, my body d- began to put everybody through the ringer because they're like alright yeah, uh, if I do this it's supposed to happen I'll try to move it and the next thing they're working on my left quad and then I'm moving my right quad they're like uh, that's not supposed to happen <laughs> oh we're working on this one I was like alright so then I'll start moving on the right one and then the left one will work so I had maybe six PTs and each PT was just scratching their head. I was just like, you're not supposed to be moving that muscle. That's the hardest muscle to do. Or you shouldn't be moving your leg that fast. Or before I even touch you, your body responds. It's like, like it was the coolest thing to look at them. And I would tell them just like, I know why. <laughs> the God is good, you know? And uh, so I... I quickly, with all the nurses and everybody, they wanted to be around me because, like, this guy has this crazy energy. Um, and th- through all of them, there was this one guy who was wasn't my PT, but he was in one of the classes and he was a believer. And I think the third day in, he looks at me, he goes, "Oh yeah, what's up, man? What's your name?" And I always just start talking, and he just tells me, he's just like, "Oh, God's with you." Because it's all over you. It's just like, I, I can't wait to see what, what stories I'm going to hear from. Like, stuff like that. Um, and it was really cool. He was, like, a worship leader. And he was just, like, would give me a bunch of tips. And he gave me a guitar. He goes, sometimes learning a new craft with what your upper body can do, like, relaxes you. And, like, then your body just starts working. Um, but sake of sake of time, uh, I remember Friday was the day. I said, I'm walking on Friday. Right. Right. I walked. And? I walked. What? Yeah. I took. Six days. Yeah. I took. 
by day three, they were so puzzled, there was a training class there that they asked, I was like, hey, do you mind one more hour of training? And I was like, yep, the more I can get. Because they wanted their students who, they're like, we rarely get an individual who doesn't go by the book. And you're one of them. We need to put our students to the ringer. So all their students are like, what the heck? All stuff I don't understand, but they're like, the teacher's like, you see? So what was supposed to happen when he does this? He's just like, this guy's at another level. That that teacher was the one that on Friday goes, let him walk. He'll do it. Let him walk. So they're holding me, and my main guy is like scared to let go, and the teacher's just like, it's fine. Took my three steps, He and then I lost balance. I kind of, I, you know, collapsed right there, cried, and then I was just like, I told you. And I'm like, I'm walking out of here. After that, no, everybody's like, whatever you say is going to happen. That's awesome, Yeah, man. after that Friday, everything, they stopped. They stopped that whole natural thing of just like, oh, good job. And they're just like, nope, keep going. Nope, you got it. Nope, you can do it. So, like, all six of my PTs, like, flipped, flipped the script. In a sense, they're like, whatever this, this guy's doing and whatever he says, he seems to be accomplishing. And then it was never of this, like, like arrogant, like, I'm the one doing it. I knew who was at work. Like, I knew uh, very early in the whole thing is just like, I know that nothing happens on accident and you chose me to go through whatever you're deciding to put me through. Um, I accept. Like, let's go. So, uh, by the time it was time to let me go to, time to go back home, I wanted to leave earlier. My wife convinced me to stay later. They wanted me to stay later because they're like, dude, give us three more days. If you proved us all wrong, now they wanted to see how far they can get me. Um, uh, one of them is just like, what did you want to go back to doing? I was like, I want to go back to playing basketball. So he goes, cool. We have a basketball outside, outside, working on jump shots, working on all these things. And he's just like, I brought, I love what God was able to do through me to those people that I brought like joy to them. Like they had joy working with me. I see them working with other people and they're either distraught or they're like troubled to the point that like even all my nurses were fighting for having me at their shift and then uh there was a lot of filipinos and a lot of filipinos are like believers they're like god is with you oh, i love your room you just feel the holy spirit here <laughs> they're like when we find out we have you j cruz we're like yes praise god you know um i was able to like uh, uh preach the gospel to a couple of nurses uh there was a nurse also going through like a very hard time with her marriage um, i don't know the end results but I realized I was just like I'm not here to relearn how to walk. I'm here to, to preach the gospel. I'm here to reach people's lives, and uh, every day I was able to reach somebody's life and point them, you know, either directly to Christ or point them to having a different perspective to life or just giving them new flavor and taste to life. And that's why it was just like the hardest physical time of my life, even to this day, but the most rewarding, just like blessing kind of thing i was like i can see clearly what's going on i can see clearly now. i'm not gonna sing <laughs> so how long were you down in vallejo before they let you come home uh 21 23 days so a while yeah yeah i was there for a while okay and you come home yeah what is what does life look like when you get back to your family at home so dangerous for one reason jeremiah <laughs> you know my kid. Uh, <laughs> yes. For those that don't, uh, Tasmanian Devil, Speedy Gonzalez, 
um, the Energizer Bunny all in one, right? Uh, that was the hardest part. So the hardest part was that dangerous part. Um, and then the fact that your brain subconsciously like wanted to put me back to life what it was before. Mm. And I was like, okay, time to play with the kids. It's time to do all that stuff. So every day was just very sad of what I couldn't do. Um, I just for the record, I did end up leaving the hospital no wheelchair and no cane or nothing they made me take it with me and i was just like why and the guy was just like the medical paid for it just take it with you you can return to us later <laughs> i was just like all right and i'll tell him i was like i'm never using this wheelchair ever again i'll bring it back in a week yeah um so just like getting around the house and legos and toys everywhere it was just hard um my wife was my caregiver like i couldn't shower on my own i couldn't well, I couldn't use a restroom. I had I was cath, so I was self-cathing. So I was taught how to do self-cathery. Cause just I didn't go over this part, but this is everything I lost. Um, it I lost mobility, right? I lost balance, strength, muscle mass. I lost the ability to feel uh, pain from the outside. So you know, you hit me, whatever, I, whatever pain in general. I don't feel it. Um, I fractured my foot. Never knew. <laughs> Uh, we'll just go that far. <laughs> I lost the ability to feel hot and cold from the outside. I lost the ability to regulate my own temperature. Um, there'd be days where it's super hot and my body wouldn't have known. Um, and I could have a heat stroke, you know, I lost uh, bladder and bowel control. Um, so I lost everything. It's now 2022, right? And out of everything that I've lost, the only thing I've gained back would be strength maybe at 60%, um, mobility maybe like 70%, um, and that's about it. Like everything else is still whacked. Like my, I still have issues with my bladder, still have, I, that's why I joked around in the first episode that I have a, the bladder of an old man. <laughs> I do. Um, you do, you, you, you head over to the restroom. Yeah, before every workout, I like I go for a little jog to like get my bladder going because I know I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> um, yeah, so even till now, so uh, what was the question? Oh yeah, so back at home, uh, just knowing that I no longer had those things made stuff difficult. Like if the water was too hot, I would have burned myself, and I wouldn't have known. I dropped cough, burning hot coffee on my leg. I didn't even know. My wife's like, "You spilled your coffee on you." like what like what what in the world and i was just like man i didn't feel it so it was it was very hard but my training continued i had to continue training for the rest of my life um as i still do and it's been just a progressive kind of thing when you say training you're talking about like physical therapy type stuff at this point right yeah at this point i was doing physical therapy back in kaiser roseville um once a week but i you know even walking was considered training like walking from uh maybe five to six feet was exhausting like that was exhausting that was a workout that was an amrap wow. <laughs> that was an imam like just walking like five so the fact that i was able to walk one more foot the next week was a huge accomplishment so that's how it started it started where like i could only walk four feet and then i'm exhausted exhausted enough to go to sleep like wiped like sweating and all that stuff um that i it was like that for before I was able to get into a gym gym 
and to the point of of being able to do that was maybe uh two or three months of just a bunch of just learning how to walk one regaining balance learning how to sit up and stand back down so that was my working out so my working out was walking sitting rolling off the bed um, putting my shoes on putting my clothes off all that was a workout real functional fitness. real functional fitness um yeah and um another big pivotal moment was when it was time my pt is just like okay i think you're ready to go back to the gym um i signed up for 24-hour fitness and that was another moment in my life where i had to choose how far i wanted to go because at that time now by the time i got to you know three months in that's what february march april may around uh, february march april may yeah around may or june is when i joined cross uh 24-hour fitness again uh and by that time i could move around just fine you know i could go a whole day of you know normal moving stuff and i was good so now it's just like that's technically like all right that's kind of good enough there's some people that that's all they do every day and they're like they're not much fitter past then so when it was when i went to 24 hour fitness um gyms are intimidating let's just be real crossfit even more i have never been more intimidated of a gym in my life I walked in there and you're seeing people lifting, running, like buff dudes and stuff like that. And um, I was like, all right, I'm going to start off slow. I'm going to start off on the treadmill just walking. And I'm walking and my legs cramping up. I'm limping and like just having mental attacks. Like you can't do this. Like, okay, you were able to come this far, but that's it, you know. Um, And I was like, no, like, you know, pepping pepping myself up. And I was just like, no, we can do this. I can do it. I was like, God is with me. I can do all things through Christ. Like all these, like, like uh, all the right things to say. Then I end up going to the squat rack, the assisted squat rack, where it's not really all the weight. The machine's going to work. I put 10 pounds on, and I couldn't lift it. I couldn't squat it. I cannot squat 20 pounds on the assisted squat rack. That might have been the fastest I've ever moved because I left that gym and I was just crying in my car. And I was like, I can't do this. 20 pounds. I got I, I got defeated by 20 pounds. This is in 2019, you know, around May or June. And I was ready to quit right then and there. I was like, ready to quit. I, ended up, I called my wife once again. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I told her what happened. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, walking, cool, but like... 20 pounds like that's all it took at that time i couldn't pick up my kids i had a newborn she was you know olivia like six seven months old like to me that was heavy but i never had to walk around with her so i was just like i'm never gonna be able to carry my kids again and it was just another like darkest hour of my day and i quit for a week of of just like and what could my wife say like other than like i'm with you i support you i'm gonna pray for you but like there was no pep talk that she could do that was encouraging or that was helping um so for that whole week i was just like this is just my life is this is not my life just i could just do just enough in the house and my wife has to do everything um and then i remember going to church um and i it was one of those times where you 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 promised that every word that pastor said was specifically for you that everybody could have just skipped that day um 
and at the end of the day it's i i do very good with very direct constructive criticism and i the message that i received right just within my heart it was just like i didn't know i made a chump like i felt like i was like i didn't i didn't i didn't know i created a chump i thought i created a warrior dang and i looked in the mirror and i was just like and i was remembering remember when you know this doctor said this wasn't gonna happen what did i do through you remember when the pt told you let's set up realistic goals what did i do through you and right then and there i was just like i'm no chump i'm like god chose me to go through this for a reason he's gonna supply everything i need and then i was back in the gym the next day struggling with 20 pounds two weeks later struggling with 22.5 pounds and going and going and going and going and then in 2021 i competed in the crossfit games and it was all because of that day wow. that sunday at church where i was just like he ain't make no jump and that's obviously the super sped up version of what happened from yeah that was a really fast transition it was from yeah, like was. june of 2019 to august of 2021 dude. yeah well, that's a lot of time to go by, and it was just a bunch of bunch of training. And there's the whole COVID season, but we kind of talked about how I got into CrossFit. But yeah, I started like 2019. It's it's a year. Within a year, I went from struggling to lift 20 pounds on my back to like <laughs> deadlifting 275 pounds to doing all this like crazy things and every step of the way was definitely a gradual like slow progression and like god's got me through every single little bit not being healed yet like i'm not recovered like at all right because you said there's not a cure right yeah chances are you're living with some form of issue with this for the rest of your life yeah yeah for sure so like when you see me you see me at, in class at the gym, whether I'm jumping into the workout or doing things on my own. Um, you might not be able to tell, but I am somehow always working out or trying to manage some form of discomfort, some form of pain. Whether it's uh, um, my leg is given out, um, and that's various different muscles within my legs, my quads, hamstrings, glutes abductors, calves, everything. Um, so my lower back can go, my core can shut down, and something will happen every workout. And you never have any idea when it's gonna happen? No, nope, really don't. It's, I, I can kind of tell a little bit, but for the most part, I could be, um, I could be back squatting five rounds and that third round feels great and I go into that fourth round and then my muscles just shut off. And I am pretty much back squatting with my right leg partially shut off and my left leg doing all the work. So my left leg takes a lot of beating. It takes a lot of beating because it's my most dominant leg. It's uh, my left leg, it's literally maybe four times stronger than my right leg. Wow. So I could do a pistol squat on my left leg, but my right leg, no chance. Not even a bit. So yeah, any any movement, even even when I don't necessarily using the legs, um, like if I'm doing kipping, right, it's upper body technically, but yeah. since I have to activate my core, it doesn't always activate. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so then I am just muscling up and it's all lats, all forearms, <coughs> all bicep. Um, so I, do, I, I don't get to escape with any workout without having any muscle shut off on me. So y'all got no excuses. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's true, it's like, I don't mean that in a like a mean jerk kind of way, but there isn't any excuses to improve your life. You know, whether you're dealing with a disability, whether you're dealing with something emotional, uh, something mental, um, there, you, you literally can find a way to achieve a goal. It, it may not, the road may not look how you want it to look. Uh, for sure, this road doesn't look like any way I want it to look. And you guys get to see all the, all the nice things like CrossFit Games and Wheel Wad and seeing me, you know, do well in fitness. But <clears throat> you don't really get to see behind the, behind the scenes of not wanting to show up, not wanting to work out, not wanting to continue doing what I have to do on a daily basis. Right. Um, and we're human. Um, and I know that it's, it's easier said than done, but there really is no excuse to improve one's life. It's just a matter of changing your perspective and seeing that you might not be able to achieve the goal you want, so it's time to reevaluate what goals you can actually achieve yeah. and then go after those. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my story. That's, that's what's happened to me. That's what I continue to deal with you know, as of today still to this very day. And uh, if anything, I've taken a step back in my, <clears throat> in my strength and my mobility ever since um, November of 2021. You know, had a very bad um, finishing of wheel wad, jacked me up, and then I ended up getting COVID, which made things worse. And I could easily quit and give up and be like, you know what, I have to start all over in my movement and my strength, but uh, I'm not a quitter. And keep going. Boom. Yeah. She went from conventional gym to paralyzed to the CrossFit Games, and the story keeps going. Keeps going. And Taking we're gonna, CrossFit uh, Games off this year and see what God has in plan for me next year. Um, and we're going to get into some of the details of some of the, the other pieces in later episodes. Yep. It's more to come. That's right. So, pizza and power cleans. Yep. It's the name of this episode. The workout, it's four rounds of a 200 meter row, five power cleans at 155, 105, and 20 hand release push-ups. Let's go, let's do it. Yep, give that workout a shot, hit us up, let us know how it is. Yeah, and as usual, modify it as you need need to be. Um, if push-ups ain't your thing, you know, figure something else out, you know. Um, so let us know how you did, find us on Instagram, post your scores up there, we'll love to know what you liked or didn't like, or how you performed. Heck yeah. Alright. Right. Till next time. Till next time. Enjoy that bacon. B -b -b Barbell bacon bros.